Hello all, this is Blonde Haired Girl. I had had wanted to do a podcast about something. It's been it's been an interesting uh thing that has gone on throughout my professional professional life. So I've worked in early childhood. I've worked in, and primarily in birth to three, but also in birth to five. I've also been a second grade teacher, but I had worked in an infant room years ago. And before that, I had worked for AZIP. So I worked with infants and toddlers, so children under three years old with developmental delays. They had to have some kind of delay or they would not qualify for our program. And and so these children had had delays, like in language or movement, um, those were the primary areas uh, that I was working with was to try to have them talk or or move differently. And I worked with physical therapists, speech therapists, occupational therapists. And 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 then I went to work in an infant room and I I I really learned so much in this particular setting, I was working at a lab school at a community college, and I was an infant teacher in a classroom, and and I was trained in the right approach to early childhood, uh, respect for infants, so respecting children and their innate drive to move and do things in their own timing. And so I had the opportunity to go to an international early childhood conference in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And this is where I, I, it just really set the stage and really changed my view of early childhood development and intervention in that. So I go to this early childhood convention and there were, um, Magda Gerber was the primary theorist, I guess, or it was her philosophy of caring for young people very young people. And what had happened was in World War II, there were a lot of children who were orphaned. And they had a problem uh, because children were coming out with, with brain damage. And I mean, it was, it was a very, very bad time in history with these orphan children and these orphanages who were just given minimal care. So they had to very, very quickly figure out how to care for these children to optimize outcomes. And 
there was a couple of things that they did. And one of them was they had a primary caretaker of a child. And, and on top of that, like the curriculum became the care of the child. So the caretaker would give the child a considerable amount of attention. I mean, not in the sense that we like, not with all these bells and whistles and like huge tones and voices and things like that. That's not what I'm referring to, but the caretaker would talk to the child would talk to them, would let them know what they were going to do before they did it to the child. Like, like they wouldn't just lift a child and take it to a changing table. You would tell the child, I'm going to lift you and take you to the changing table. And then even on the changing table, they would say, okay, I'm going to take your clothes off I'm going to take your diaper off. You know, I'm going to, you know, you would tell the child what you were going to do before you did it to the child. And then when you weren't caring for the child, the child was laying on their back. And and what would happen was the child would start to, there was a few things, like the child would also learn how to self-soothe. And they would learn about, like their feet and their hands and they would start to naturally move and start to naturally move toward items in the room and and kind of make their way and when they were developmentally ready to do that and one of the the points that they made that left an impression on me was that you should never put a child in a position that they cannot get to themselves. So in Western thought, in Western thought, not Eastern, and these were people that were from Europe who were, this was their philosophy of early childhood care. And this could be a parent, a caretaker, whoever was taking care of this child they recommended never putting that baby in a position that they could not get to themselves. So they did not recommend tummy time. Now, this is very anti-Western thought. The, the American pediatricians are really, 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 they press parents to put a child on their belly very, very strongly. Now, I as a parent, I don't remember what I did, but most of the time when you put a baby on their belly, they scream. They scream. They may not scream at first, but they're incredibly uncomfortable. And, and Western thought is you keep doing this every day and they get used to it and they get they practice with their neck and they gain strength and yada, yada, yada. Today, it was, it was super interesting. I was in a, a group meeting and somebody at the meeting had, was talking about tummy time. And I had also been trained that it counted 
for tummy time, if you were to put the baby on the mother's chest, okay, and like if the mother's like leaning back and her baby's on her chest, that that was helpful. It may not be a full tummy time, but and especially if the baby was comfortable in that position. And it was also very bonding because the baby was like leaned on their mother. And and this and this person at this meeting was talking about the the putting the baby on their belly. And then she said and what I tell parents when they tell me that their baby doesn't want to be on their belly, I tell the parent, there are a lot of things that we don't want to do in life. And I was really taken back by that comment. I was, ta- I was so taken back by the, the comment that an infant would have to just deal with something in life that it that the baby did not want to do. So like like it doesn't matter if you're just one day old, there is no there's no lenience for you. You are required to be in a position that you categorically don't want to be because we all have to do things that we don't want to do. And she made, oh, she said, um, they were, she said that, that when they get older, they may not like math, but we don't tell them that they don't have to do their math, which is, you know, maybe a five-year-old as opposed to a baby. And I got to just thinking about what it has been like all of these years as somebody who has been trained a different way and to get along and to hear statements like that that just really are very contradictory to what I've been trained and what I had actually seen as an early childhood caretaker. And so I had seen all kinds of like videos from this, this, um, this, at this conference, like they showed how these principles work not putting a child in a position that they cannot get to themselves. And it kind of makes sense. Like I try to explain it to teachers, you know, because they're just like shocked. I can't believe what she just said is just counter to the, the American pediatric society. What she's saying is just counter to what all pediatricians are in the U S are talking about. And so, but in these videos, it showed how well balanced these children were. That that in when they were learning in time, not on time, in the child's time, when the child was developmentally ready. And there's so many things that we actually try to teach children that they are not developmentally ready for. Like 
I've, I've observed in like, I don't even know how many classrooms and in early childhood classrooms, and I'm talking children, I don't know, between three to five, and I don't even care if it's a five-year-old. Your average five-year-old is not ready to learn the days of the week. They're not really ready to learn exactly how to count to a hundred rotely. As parents, we really like to think of our children as geniuses when they learn things that are not, you know, that are ahead of the norm. But it's really more important that a child understand the concept of one and the concept of none. And the concept of really learning how to count, having it be a part of just what they do. Because we use math all the time, but we're just not as aware of it. We're not, it's so second nature to us that we don't, you know, when we go into a store and we, you know, like a third, we know three, you know, we, um, we are, we are doing math a lot during our day. I'm just going to use that phrase. (laughs) And so it, it really got me to thinking today about, about just when you have a different philosophy and, and you are just categorically f- like forced by our society to just be quiet. Just be quiet. Like don't, um, don't say anything against the norm, the norm of whatever the norm is <clears throat> as in like don't do you know tummy time that sort of thing um like if i were to tell a parent if i were to tell one of these parents <clears throat> not to to put their child in in tummy time it would really get back on me it would come back on me because it is so contrary to thought <clears throat> you know, we've got a lot going on right now with, with, you know, this, this COVID, I mean, you know, getting on to this topic, I don't even know exactly, I wasn't intending to talk about COVID, but I just think that it's super interesting because people who are actually getting the, have gotten the vaccine, both shots are still getting COVID, and they like to say, oh, well, they got a better case of it. They would have had a worse case had they not been vaccinated. And, and, I, and I got a, a kind of a panicky text today from somebody in my life about how her mother uh, is being hospitalized and is now begging her to get the vaccine. And I was in a position to be able to say, you know, it'll be okay one way or another. Try your best not to do anything out of fear. Doing things out of fear. I feel like we are, we are as a society so driven by fear. Like, and I don't even think that we're always just cognizant of it. 
that a lot of what we do is like fear, like fear of failure, fear of homelessness, fear of, of not having the money to, to, you know, like literally be able to live. So we do things, you know, so I keep my mouth shut like I did today about what I believe to be the truth, that we should not be putting children in positions that they cannot get to themselves. They'll get to their belly on their own. They will. So I, I go through my day and I'm having actually a pretty good day. It was a little bit of a catch-up day today because yesterday was a holiday. So I was I was really busy and I didn't get all the things done today that I wanted to do. And I knew that was going to happen. But I get home and there's a text message. Not a text message, an email. I don't even know why I checked because it was hours later. And I checked and it was that I need to end services and send a discharge summary for a client she no longer wants our services and so this is a huge trigger for me personally I and I've gotten this quite a few times like more than I would would like I get you know not wanting to continue services uh, for one reason or another this one kind of, I was blindsided by it. I really wasn't expecting it. It was actually a case that should have closed um, before, but it was actually put on us to actually continue. Like we, when they asked us about it, we said we did not think we should continue with services with this particular person. And yet they kind of insisted that we do and so we put in this extension and then now the extension has been revoked and and I'm and so I'm sitting here and I'm and this is the kind of thing that would keep me up at night it keeps me up at night I'm I'm worried okay so I'm saying okay so what is the underlying lying is this fear like this fear of being fired fear of being um being seen as as ineffective like it feels like a failure and and there are times where i'm willing to take like failure i'm willing to accept failure and then there are times where I I don't want to take responsibility for that because I I feel like I was in the right place at the right time doing the right thing and so but with nearly everyone that we're working with they didn't ask for these services and so I actually have a pretty difficult, stressful job right now. So it just turned out today, it was very, very interesting. I One of my neighbors and a really good friend of mine 
calls me up and tells me that a middle school in town has openings for like several different ages of teacher. And she really wants me to apply for these jobs. And I, and you know, I've really been wanting to go out on my own. I want to be like, like writing. I want to have more freedom in my life. I want to like not have the middleman so much like so that I can actually live by my own philosophy because I can't really talk about these principles with the people that I'm working with that much. I really can't. Like a lot of times they just kind of look at me, you know, I was talking to a mother today who I was trying to explain to her that her child has all kinds of chemicals going off in her brain and sometimes it's counterintuitive. Like she has, she's having chemicals go off even when she's, it's a negative experience. And so our brain, you know, we're getting a payoff even from a negative experience. So sometimes children will, will bring on a negative experience just to get, just to feel something because their brain likes the feeling of that hormone. And then the mom's just kind of looking at me. I'm like, not anyway. So the hope is to not talk above people, like not even above, but like in a, in a way that they, you know, could understand what I'm trying to say. But anyway, so I'm getting a little bit off here. So I got triggered this evening. And this would be something that I would lose sleep over. So I'm sitting here, I'm like, okay, what do I do? And, and, and then I have to go with my law of attraction kind of thing. How did I attract this? I mean, I had a pretty good day. I came home. I wasn't, and this has been happening. I mean, quite honestly, like the law of attraction, if I were to like, I don't know why, because they are really kind of blindsiding me. Like, I am not expecting the negativity that I'm getting. I'm not expecting to be, to be um, received in the manner with which I'm being received by these clients. And so I'm, I'm, so it's kind of shocking to me that like in this particular client, I mean, we were nearly done anyway, like we would have been done like in a couple of weeks and I don't really know what difference it makes if we close it right now. And I don't know if we did something that upset her. I mean, it was just this very open ended, just, she wants them to so send us the discharge summary, just very dry. And, and I'm, and I'm a person who actually has, I, I'm, I'm, I'm part of, of what I do is building relationships. So I don't think that you can really, I mean, and that is my training. Like I was, I had a professor who talked about that it is the relationship that heals people. People are healed by their relationship with you. I'm not talking about like any, like the relationship, not that you're in a relationship with this person. I hope that that's clear. 
but when you're working with people, you have, you are getting to know them. You're getting to, to like kind of know each other and have a rapport and, 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 and I'm, and I'm also having like children sometimes saying, oh, you're not going to be coming anymore. And so it's a very, very short term. So we're in their home for three, four months, and that's it. And it's done. Bam. It's over. And this is not a manner with which I'm used to working. Like when I was working in early intervention, a lot of times I was seeing a child until they were three years old. Like, like sometimes I was seeing them for a couple of years. And then in some like visiting programs, you can see them until they're five years old. And so th- this has been like a real shift in, in, in it's so, and it's so, sort of like, just don't, don't, it's like build a rapport, but don't build a rapport. Like, like get to know them, but don't care about them. You know, like be sensitive, but, but don't take it personally. And so and I'm, and I'm, I was sitting there and I'm just like, I mean, do I really, really like what I'm doing? It's like, I want to say that I do, but like, do I? Do I really like it? And so then I started to think about, about this, possibly this other position, you know, the possibility of me, of me teaching again, because I really liked being a second, I was a second grade teacher but I did have, I had a family pull their daughter from my classroom, like really early on. My, my, one of my students was pulled from the classroom. Um, I, I had, you know, parents that were mad at me. I had gotten yelled at different times. Um, and I started to think about, it doesn't matter what the position is. But then I start to think, but is it just my belief about it? Because I believe in these principles. So is it my belief that in these positions, I'm always going to have people who are going to be dissatisfied with my services? Or if I really changed my, my mind about it and I said, they're, they're going to be satisfied with my services. I will be appreciated. I will be loved and appreciated. I will be appreciated in this, this position. And, and so <laughs> these are just the things that are going on in my mind about it. And I decided this evening that I, you know, I mean, just a couple of things. It's like, I just don't want to waste another minute of my life on this. This, I get negative feedback. My brain goes into this ruminating on this negative feedback. And, and what did I do? And, you know, and it's like, 
I don't want to waste another minute of my life. I don't know what happened. I don't know. It could have nothing to do with us. I really don't know why this mom doesn't want our services anymore. But I know that I'm going to write the discharge summary and it's not even going to matter in two days. Won't matter one way or the other in two days. (laughs) I don't want to ruminate on these things anymore. So it was kind of like this standing up to the fear. Standing up to the fear and saying, you know, the fear of rejection, the fear of failure, the fear of being wrong, the fear of not being in alignment, the fear, the fear. It's like, oh my God, I just, I just don't want to feel this way anymore. So how do I not feel this way anymore? So the last time, which wasn't that long ago, it was like, I don't know, a couple weekends ago. I feel like, I mean, I did a fairly good, but I had like a couple of, of really negative things happen in one day. And I had, somebody was really angry with me. I mean, really mad at me. And... And I feel like these like reflect reflect badly on my work. Like I like the fact that they would be mad at me reflects badly on my work. Um and I I just I just don't even like I'm sitting here and I just don't know what to be except myself. And there's going to be people that are put off by me for various reasons. I remind them of their, of somebody in their life they don't want to think about, or they have a, 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 some kind of bias against people that look like me. Ageism is one of them. Like, um, they don't like the color of my skin. I mean, I've actually been called a racist in the last six months. I had a woman actually call me a racist. <laughs> and honestly, it's like I'm not I'm not nor do I just feel like I really want to like defend myself. Like I don't even know what to say to this. And then what I'm learning is that there are so many people who are so highly reactive and I'm live working in a very very reactive field right now. These are very unhappy people. They're unhappy and this is not a good season of their life. And so they are highly reactive and and I'm trying to not react to their reactivity. I'm trying to be like calm and stable and um and not react and, and literally learn to not be so serious and not take things so personally and to give it to God. <laughs> That's the thing. What do I do? So when it comes up, when the first thing is for me to try to change my mind, to just to think about something else. So 
this evening I was watching a couple of episodes of a new show that I'm really enjoying called Killing Eve. <laughs> I mean, it sounds so strange that I'd be watching something like this because she, there's this, it's about a, I guess a vigil Annie. I don't know. She's some kind of assassin. And um, it's a really, really great series though. Um, and I'm, so I was watching that, but then I, I woke cause I fell asleep a little bit and then I woke up and, and, and I'm now I'm getting ready to go back to sleep and then it just pops in my head again. I don't know if y'all have this happen. I cannot believe that I would be the only one. So then I, so then I wake up in the middle of the night and I go, you know, and my brain is like, oh yeah, I was upset about that thing. So I like, let's ruminate about it at three in the morning. <laughs> so like my first line of defense is to just try to get my mind off of it and then when I do I I the second thing is to just give it to God and just really 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 just know that it's all gonna work out it's all gonna work out it's gonna work out it's gonna work out it's going to work out. It absolutely will work out. It has always worked out. 100% of the time, it has worked out. It may not have worked out like the way I thought it should right in the moment, but as time goes on, it definitely works out. It just does. It just works out. And so, and so... I feel like I am progressing in this area. I am progressing and I feel better than I have in other circumstances that were similar, but I'm still, I'm, I don't want to be bothered by this stuff anymore. And I do have this thought that there is this possibility that I would move from this to like something else. And then it's just going to be different issues. It's going to be just different issues. <laughs> I was hearing something about this recently. Somebody, oh God, you know, I think it was like a, um, it was a recording artist or something. Somebody who had like made it big. And then she started to have these other issues with, with that. Oh, it had to do with the press. So there was this tennis star and she had told the, the press that she was no longer going to give issue interviews. And so they find her. $15,000 because she wasn't going to give these interviews. So she said it was better for her to pay for the fines than it was to talk to the press. And then this person who was giving out this information was talking about how they started to really look at what the press knew about her and what the press was talking about. And the press wanted her to talk negatively about other other athletes. They they wanted her to talk about her personal life. They wanted they, they didn't they weren't talking about her tennis or her skill. They wanted her to talk about other things. And so basically, it's like when you become a 
great. And then I think she actually, if I remember this, whatever I was listening to, she quit playing tennis altogether because because it it was oh she was getting i think she was half japanese she was half japanese and half haitian from haiti and and they were asking they were always asking her questions about her race and she and, and i don't know i don't even know if she still plays tennis and i don't even know who this tennis player is but it just dawned on me that it is always we are always going to be faced with adversity. We're going to be faced with adversity. And I don't understand why, but I feel really certain about this. Um, like even with my theorists, like I, I'm going to use like Abraham Hicks as an example. I mean, I'm sure that to this day, she still gets negative feedback She still may get negative feedback, but it's a, it's a matter of the amount of attention that she actually puts on it. And so like trying to draw our attention away from that. And then when it comes up, you know, I don't want to think, I don't have to think about that right now. I don't want to or have to think about that right now. You know, so I'm going to do this other thing like sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I appreciate y'all listening. I am. I'm going to try to go to sleep. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I will be back with other ideas. And that's a wrap.